Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. All right, good morning. Welcome this morning to Encounter Church. My name is Pastor Chris. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet, I want to personally welcome you and thank you so much for being with us today. For those of you that are watching online, man, we are thrilled that you're with us today. I want to encourage you, come and be a part of this great body of believers, this family. We love you. We want you here. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning we are in part 16 of a series that we're dissecting the book of Acts. We're processing through, we're trying to figure out how do we go about grabbing this mindset or this mandate, if you would, that Jesus gave to go and make disciples, in other words, to multiply, how do we put that into motion in 2022? You see, sometimes we read the Bible and we're guilty of going, well, that's really a great story and that's really fun to read, but I don't know if it's applicable to today. Can I just tell you, everything in here is applicable to today. This is our guidebook for life. The Word of God will lead us and guide us and steer us where we need to go and how we need to get there. So as we began to dive into 2022, we really felt that the word for the year was multiply. We were to multiply in every aspect of our lives. We're to multiply personally in our relationship with one another and grow in that relationship. So we highlight our life groups. We encourage you to get plugged in this fall to one of our life groups We also talked about multiplying our impact in our community. We're doing all that we can to make an impact, not just inside of this building, but outside of these walls to reach this community and the surrounding communities for the kingdom of God, to multiply our generosity, both serving and giving and saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, how can I move forward in that and multiply his body, his church, as we invite people in and see this place grow? like never before. And we're seeing that happen. Why? Because we're looking at the book of Acts. We're talking to the early church and we're finding out what they did in response. You see, many of them had been traveling around with Jesus and been watching what he was doing and as he was healing the sick and raising the dead and opening the blinded eyes. They saw miracles take place. But before he ascended to heaven, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to wait for this promise. I want you to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know, church, when the Holy Spirit spirit fell, things began to change. There was a breakthrough. There was a new advancement. There was a new mandate. There was a new calling. And they took that personally. And there we begin to see the multiply take place. So here we are today. We're in Acts chapter 17. Paul and Silas have been journeying through and they're in Thessalonica at this moment, hanging out in the synagogue and they're using the scriptures to reason with people. Come on, have you ever used the word of God to reason with somebody? I mean, sometimes God uses the word of God to reason with us. But here they were using the word of God to reason with the people. Now, some of them were accepting the truth. Some of them were receiving the truth. 
But how many know sometimes as you begin to make that advancement for the kingdom of God, sometimes as you begin to step outside of your comfort zone, sometimes as you begin to be used by God, there are the naysayers in life. There are the people that don't like what you're doing. Have you experienced that before? If you haven't, one of two things has happened. Either A, you haven't started, or B, you haven't been paying attention. One or the two of those things is happening because anytime that you move forward with the kingdom of God, anytime you begin to share the good news, you're going to have those that rally with you, and you're going to have those that push you away. Come on, take a look at what happens. Acts chapter 17. It says, but the Jews were jealous. Say they were jealous. And talked uh, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. But when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. I titled today's message, Let's Turn the World Upside Down. Because if I'm being honest with you today, I think for too many years, the church has been guilty of just the opposite. We've turned nothing upside down. We've just been comfortable in our little circle. We've been comfortable coming in and and filling a seat and and punching that religious time card. But I'm here to tell you, church, if we're going to multiply, and by the way, our time on this earth is short. If we're going to multiply for the kingdom of God, if we're going to make an advance for the kingdom of God, it's going to force us to move forward and turn the world upside down. Let's take a moment and look at where we've been. How did this all get started? Again, many followers were following after Jesus, and and everything starts out great. They joined together. They were united in prayer, and then it happened. The promise arrived. The Holy Spirit entered the room where they were praying and worshiping God. Fire rested upon each one, and the Bible says they began to speak in an unknown language, a language they had never spoken before, and then Jesus tells them to go and wait. Acts 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 8, says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. Power. Now, I know that we've quoted this scripture a dozen times so far in the 16 weeks. Why do we do that? Because this is the foundation. This is what we have to wrap ourselves around. If we will seek after the Holy Spirit, if we will not just play church, but we begin to be the church, if we will move forward in the multiply, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will overcome us, overwhelm us, and flow through us. We'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. But here's the problem. Many times that's where we stop our pursuits. You see, sometimes we're guilty of saying, well, I've given my life to Jesus. I'm just going to stop there. That's, that's enough. Sometimes we give our, our lives to Jesus and then we move forward in the advance of the Holy Spirit. We become filled with the Holy Spirit, maybe at a camp encounter, maybe, maybe at a Sunday morning service, maybe during a prayer service. 
And then we think, well, now I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. All is, all is good. We reach this point and we simply stop. But I want to tell you, church, that's not the stopping point. We want the power, but we want it without the purpose. As a people, we're guilty of wanting the anointing, but we don't want to follow through with the action. Church, it's time that the Christian of today begin to operate in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Come on, let me say that again, because some of you should have said amen. Some of you grew up in the circle of, of the Assemblies of God. Some of you grew up in this fullness of the gospel circle. Some of you understand the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you, it's time now that we get up and begin to advance and multiply in the fullness of the spirits, not just to fill up and shut up. So what do we do? Well, again, Acts 1-8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But it doesn't stop there. It's not like, man, the Holy Spirit's got this incredible anointing and power for your life, and boom, there it is. Now what do we do with this? Well, you got to keep reading. It says, and you will be my witnesses. Come on, what's a witness? A witness is somebody that tells about an occurrence, a change, an instance in their lives. I wonder, has God done anything worth telling people about in your life? Has God changed you in any way and given you a reason to tell somebody about him? Then it's time that we stand up, church. It's time that we begin to move forward. It's time that we multiply for his kingdom. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Oh, well, pastor, you mean it's not enough for me to tell people about Jesus, when I'm at church? Come on, that's easy, right? Oh, we're real guilty about coming in here. Oh, how are you this week? Man, I'm telling you what, this has been an incredible week. God really spoke to my life. God gave me a breakthrough in this situation. God met me at work. God's doing a work in my family. God's raising this up. God healed this. But what happens when we get outside these walls? We fill up and we shut up. We're guilty of just being silent, of not sharing that good news. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So not only will we receive a greater power, a greater anointing in our lives, but we're instructed to tell people about Jesus everywhere we go in fact the word witness is used 29 times in the book of acts alone it's vital that we begin to share that good news it was paul harvey that once said it this way too many christians are no longer fishers of men they're keepers of the aquarium I wonder, are you guilty of just being a keeper of the aquarium? Of making sure that all the church folk are fed. That the algae's cleaned up. That the filter's working. That the environment's comfortable for the church folk. But we're not called to be keepers 
of the aquarium. When Jesus called his first disciples, he didn't look at them and go, come, follow me, and I'll make you keepers of the aquarium. Did he say that? No, he said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. I will help you. I will teach you how to reach people. Well, pastor, that's why we pay you. No, it's not. No, the Bible clearly tells me and tells you that, that my responsibility, here is my job requirement. Here is what God says that I'm supposed to do. My job is to equip you. Right? That's my responsibility is to equip you, to give you opportunities, to teach you, to lead you, to guide you, to help you fill up so that you can go out and share that good news. But we're so guilty of being concerned about the aquarium that we lose sight of the world that's lost and broken outside these doors. Church, it's time to stop just watching the fish tank and begin to bring in the fish. It's time for the church of today, more specifically, it's time for Encounter Church to begin to pull out our spiritual fishing poles. And begin to reach the law. Some of you are kind of like I am when it comes to regular fishing. Man, I'm all talk. I'm just going to be honest. I've got some guys in my life. Man, Gary has invited me out to fish on his pond like several, several times. I, I met a guy the other day. Uh, my son bought a car. And, and as we were talking to this guy, he's like, man, I've got a pond out back. Why don't you guys come out? My pastor comes out and we'll fish together. We'll hang out together. I'm like, man, that sounds awesome. Do you know the last time I was fishing? Do you remember the story I, I shared last week? That's probably about the last time. If you weren't here, you missed it. I'm not going to tell you how long ago it was. But I do have a new fishing pole. And some of you are the same way. You've got a new fishing pole. You bought a brand new Bible. You've got it. Oh, it looks good. The problem with my fishing pole, I haven't put line on it yet. In fact, I haven't even taken the price tag off of it. Some of us in our spiritual walk, in our walk with Christ, that's kind of how we are. Man, we feel like we're equipped. We feel like we're ready. we got the brand new fishing pole. We're ready to go, but we haven't taken it out of the box. It's still covered with shrink wrap, and it's sitting in the corner collecting dust. And God says, I haven't called you to be keepers of the aquarium. I've called you to be fishers of men. To share a hope to a people that are otherwise hopeless. So this morning for the next few moments, I want to share with you three requirements to reaching beyond your church seat. Are you ready for this? Yes. Three requirements of reaching beyond your church seat. Number one is this. Connect with your Savior. Man, I know that sounds obvious, but sometimes it's the obvious that we need. Because sometimes we haven't really connected with our Savior because we've been so busy just going through the motions. 
Come on, anybody guilty that's stepping on anybody's toe this morning? See, before we can make an eternal impact for the kingdom of God, we must begin to connect with Jesus. The biggest difference, or there's a humongous difference between knowing Jesus and knowing of Jesus. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in the community, walking down the street, having a conversation. They said, I know, I know of Jesus. I know of Jesus. But the question is, do you have that personal connect? Our, our relationship with him, that's what defines who we are. In fact, the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there's salvation in no one else. Come on. There's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Come on, we can't earn our way by being good enough. We can't earn our way by attending church enough. Oh, we need this. We need this gathering together. The Bible says don't forsake the assembling. In other words, don't stop meeting together. We need this, but this isn't going to save us. We've got to make a connect with the Savior. If you found yourself this morning trying other connections, let me just clear this up for you real quick. It's not going to work. There's a God-shaped void in every one of your lives that only he can fill. So I challenge you today, stop chasing after other things. Stop chasing the shiny things of life and begin to connect with the one that can truly bring about a change and a multiplication in your life. Come back to our story. We find Paul and Silas. They they move from Thessalonica. Now they go into Athens. Now, Athens was a community of very intelligent people, intellectual people. And as Paul and Silas went in, verse 16 tells us that they were deeply troubled by the idols that they saw in the community. In fact, they addressed those that lived in, in Athens and they said this. We know that you are religious. Have you ever known a religious person? Come on. It's okay to nod your head. Have you ever met a religious person? They know how to do the thing, right? They know how to go through the motions. They know the right things to say. They have just enough of the scripture memorized that they can make it sound the way that they want to make it sound. So here's kind of what's happening. Paul and Silas said, we know that you know how to look the part. We know that you know how to go through the motions. And they begin to tell them about the one true God. The God that gave everything for them. In fact, in verse 28, they say this, for in him, in God, we live and move and exist. In other words, everything that I am, my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations, my longings in life, everywhere I go, every conversation I have, 
every move I make is because of the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. If you're trying to live your life apart from God, if you try in every other angle possible, it's just not going to work. There's only one way, one name under heaven in which we all must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't just want to save us and throw us in the pond. He wants to give us an opportunity. He wants to give us purpose. He wants to give us drive. And in Romans chapter 1 verse 9 it says, I serve with all my heart. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. I serve with all of my heart by spreading the good news about God's Son. Who is God's Son? Jesus. He said, my calling, my purpose in life is to share the good news of Jesus with everyone, everywhere. Now that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Now remember, Jesus gave that mandate, go into all the world and share the good news with everyone, everywhere. Acts 1.8 said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses. Why? So that we can share that good news locally, a little further out, and ultimately to the uttermost parts or the end of the world. Paul says, I serve with all of my heart, with all that is in me, by spreading the good news about Jesus. That's your purpose. That's my purpose. My purpose and your purpose is not just to take up space. We've got a much higher calling, but it starts with connecting with our Savior. Number two, discover your territory. Now, this point is going to be very practical. There's some of you that are practical people. You are list-making people. You are to-do list people. I'm a to-do list guy. In fact, I've got an app called To-Do, and in my app called To-Do, I have a category called To-Do. I love my list. I love the practical. If you want me to accomplish something, give me step by step. Here's what we need to do. Here's the, the, the order of things. Here's the layout of things. That's how I function. I can see a big picture, but I got to put all the pieces together in order to get there, right? So this one's very practical. Look at your neighbor and say, this is practical. Requirement number two, discover your territory. What do I mean by discover your territory? This is the territory, this is the area that God is calling you to make the greatest impact as a believer. This is the location of where God is calling you to share that good news. Who are the people that you alone can impact and bring about the greatest response? See, here's what I believe. I believe that every one of us was made on purpose. I've heard parents say when they've had a huge span between their kids, well, this one was an accident. I don't think so. I'm so glad that I wasn't an accident. I don't think any one of us is an accident. I think God has a plan and a purpose for every one of our lives. 
God created you. God designed you. And God called you for a purpose. Some of you need to write that down today because you've doubted that. You've been told your entire life, you're no good. You have no purpose. You have no drive. You'll never amount to anything ever in your life. You always fail. You always struggle. You're no good for anybody. Some of you have heard that. Can I just rebuttal that for you? That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie. Because I know that my God said that he's created us. We're unique. We're special. While we were in our mama's belly, he called us by name. He has a plan and a purpose for us that he designed far, far, far ago. God has a purpose for you. He created you, designed you, and called you for that purpose. And it's time to begin to allow that purpose to compel you to greater things in him. I believe that God has set this mission in front of you. The choice now is yours. Will you accept that mission or not? You see, I can't accept the mission for you. I can't say, well, they're going to accept, and they're going to accept, and they're going to accept, and when you're going to accept, and you're going to accept. I can't do that for you. This is a choice that you have to make, you and you alone. I would challenge you. I would encourage you. If you've given your life to Christ, don't stop right there, but continue in this journey and let God use you for his higher calling. Discover the land that God has designed for you. I'm going to go back to a great theologian to help us figure out what that land is. Many of you know this theologian. Many of you grew up listening to this theologian. Sesame Street. You want to discover what your territory is? Who are the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. Who are the people in your neighborhood? They're the people that you meet when you're walking down the street. They're the people that you meet each day. Come on, you guys got to watch Sesame Street again. Who are the people in your neighborhood? They're the people that you meet when you're walking down the street. They're the people that you meet each day. Church, I'm here to tell you that's your mission field. That's the territory that God is leading you to. Your neighbor is not just the person that lives next door. Your neighbor is those that you encounter on a daily basis as you're in the grocery store, as you go in the gas station, as you go to work, as you're in the park, wherever you happen to be. That's your neighborhood. That's your territory. So how do we come about and go about really honing in on that. This is the practical portion of this point. Number one is you pray. You pray. Again, it sounds super obvious, but I'm surprised with how often we overlook this step. If we'll begin to pray, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, seek first the kingdom of God, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. 
Seek God's will in all that you do. You don't know where to turn. You don't know who to talk to. You don't know what to say. Seek God's will. Align yourself with him. He will show you which path to take. Now remember, Jesus told his early followers to go into all the world and share the good news with everyone But he didn't just stop there. He goes on just a short time later to say this. And I will be with you always. Even to the end of the age. I will be with you always. You don't have to go on this journey alone. The second step is this. Eliminate all distractions. Now, we've talked about distractions several times in this series, but let me share with you this way. I believe that your biggest distraction is going to be you. I believe your biggest distraction is going to be you. Your plans, your dreams, your ambitions, your desires, your goals, your fears, your shortcomings, come on, right? The saddest part of any ministry is watching an individual that has never really discovered God's plan because they're too busy in a self-absorbed little aquarium. And God says, but I had so much more for them. Are you willing to put yourself aside so that someone else will have an opportunity to change their eternal destination? Man, I know that's a blunt way to put that, but that's the reality. Eternity is in the balance. Someone's eternal destination, heaven or hell, is in the balance. The question is, Are we willing to accept the mission to step out to be used for the things of God? Psalm 119.37 says this. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Lord, turn my eyes away from the worthless things. God, turn my eyes away from the distractions. Lord, turn my eyes away from the things that take me off course. Lord, turn my eyes away from self. The Bible says if I want to be his follower, I'm going to take up my cross daily, deny myself, and follow him. Why do I have to deny myself? Because self gets in the way. I'm my biggest distraction. You're going to be your biggest distraction. What's the third? This is my favorite. Make a list. Make a, I have a list for everything, literally, in this app called To Do. Right here. I've got a list for every staff member. I've got a list for the board. I've got a list for myself. I've got a list for church things. I've got a list of things to do for the family. I even have a Walmart 2.0 list. Because I don't know what happened to 1.0, but Angie and I went to 2.0 right, right off the bat. 
There's a list for everything. Why not make a list of your territory, of the area that God wants to speak into, of how God wants to use you? You're going to be going down the, wall, the, down the sidewalk. You're going to be driving down the road, and God's going to lay a name of somebody on your heart. Why not write that name down? Why not begin to pray for them? Why not begin to call them? Why not begin to invest in them? Why not take the time to share the good news of Jesus with that life that otherwise may never have an opportunity to know of the things of Jesus Christ? Our fourth step is this. Start a conversation. This one scares you. I know what you're thinking. I don't know what I would say, Pastor. I don't know, I don't know what the conversation would look like. I don't know how I would do this. If in doubt, refer to step number one, pray. Acts 4 tells us that the believers began to pray for courage. In fact, look at verse 31. As they prayed and after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I don't think I can speak the word of God boldly. Here's some good news for you. This word speak it's taken from the original Greek word, laleo. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, laleo. Look at the neighbor on the other side and say, it's all Greek to me. Laleo. It literally means this. This is going to relieve the pressure today. Laleo means to utter a voice or emit a sound to talk or use the tongue. Now, you're, you're not getting the same response that I got. When I looked at this and it said they spoke laleo, the word of God, boldly, it doesn't mean that they got out and said a speech that revolutionized the world. It means they emitted a sound. They just began to talk. They, they used their tongue. Come on, that, that's a whole lot easier than crafting a a revolutionizing message that'll change the world, right? This is saying, Lord, I'm willing to laleo for you. I'm willing to emit a sound for you. God, I'm willing to let my tongue be used by you. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to do. But Lord, I'm going to step out because I know and I believe that you're going to step in on my behalf. Lord, that you're going to help me to say what needs to be said. All you have to do is start the conversation. Number five is this. Invite them to church. That's easy, right? There's so many opportunities to invite people. Sunday morning service, life group, youth outings, church picnics, the list goes on and on. Just invite them. I know I've shared this statistic several times over the years, but it's worth repeating today. More than eight out of 10 of the unchurched said they would come to church if they were invited. Now, the biggest argument I hear from church folk of why they don't invite somebody is this. They say, well, they're just going to say no. 
what happens if they say yes? Because eight out of 10 of them, 80%, that's a B. Come on. 80% of them are gonna say yes. What would happen if those 80% came to church and gave their life to Jesus and had a life change and their eternal destination was changed because you were allowed your tongue to be used for the kingdom of God? All we have to do is take that step. Another statistic, only 21% of active churchgoers invite anyone to church in the course of a year. And we wonder why the statistics of the Christian lives here in America are dive-bombing. Only 21% of active church members. Only 2% of church members will invite an unchurched person. Well, that tells me that the church folk are inviting the other church folk. Oh, you don't like your pastor over there? Forget about him. Come on to our church. Don't do that. That's transplant. That's not what we're called to do. We're fishers of men. We don't plop the, the lure in somebody else's tank. Right? You guys are quiet. Again, the second half of Acts 1.8. We'd be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Church, we've made this as simple for you as possible. We've got invite cards. These things have been available forever and ever and ever. In fact, I think these came off of the ark originally when the ark landed. We have invite cards for you. They're available at the back as you leave. They're available at the Welcome Center. Grab these. Invite your friends. Hand them a card. So easy to do. Just invite your friends. Requirement number three, determine to follow through. See, for some of you, this is your stall point. Because you'll sit in a service like this. You'll sit in a challenging message like this. And you're leaving. You're like, come on. We're going to take the world by storm. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to get everybody in my workplace saved. We're going to have revival. The Holy Spirit's going to fall. Everyone's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be incredible. And then you go out. You go to lunch. And you forget about the message. And you move on. You stall. Guys, we've got to begin to follow through. The word follow through, by definition, is to press on in an activity or process, especially to a conclusion. Remember Paul? He said, I fought the good fights. I finished the race. Man, don't start mid-marathon. Don't stop mid-marathon. Don't stop in the midpoints. God is calling every one of us to get outside, to run the race, to fight the fight, to reach the lost. He's calling us to be fishers of men. So here are a few questions you need to ask yourself. In determining whether you need to do any of this or not, here are your questions. Does everyone in my territory know Jesus personally? Does everyone in my territory know Jesus personally? 
And by the way, if the answer to that is yes, you need to broaden your tent stakes. Because you're hanging out with too many church folk. Number two, are there people I still need to reach? Are there people in your life that you can reach with the good news of Christ? Number three, am I compelled to share the gospel? Is there a, a stirring on the inside of who you are to multiply the kingdom of God, to share the good news of Christ? If not, why? And finally, what's keeping me stuck? What's keeping me from moving forward in advancing and multiplying the kingdom of God? If you don't know where to begin in this journey, you've got a couple choices. Come talk to one of us staff members. But most importantly, begin to pray. Let God begin to bring a change, begin to stir inside of you. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Church, we can't stop. The race has just begun. The time is short. And God is speaking to you and speaking to me to join the team to multiply. Would you pray with me today, God? I pray right now for every heart and life in this place. Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.